Hello there, you're listening to the Park Rush Podcast. This is A Thing Park Podcast. I'm Tom. Joining me, live from quarantine, is Josh. Oh boy, hello there. Josh, what's happened? What's happened? It's uh, kind of funny in a way. Uh, last week, just before the podcast, just before we recorded the podcast, I literally dropped my parents off at the point where they would bring COVID into the house. <laughs> it's like one of those sort of choices you come to in a video game where the the storyline will split and it was at that moment you know if you'd refuse to take them to this place things could have been so different for you but there you go yeah. and you can't reload your save obviously in real life so no you got covid you got covid got everyone COVID, yeah. parents got covid beginning of the week um it was inevitable that i was going to get it but uh yeah here i am uh but parents had to postpone a holiday. They were meant to be going away next week. Um, oh, no. Well, they might have recovered by then, though. Uh, I th- they were going to Spain. I, I, they said the rules in Spain are weird. But I don't. But they also, like, never formally acknowledged that they had COVID. So I don't know how they would know that. Yeah, that you okay. Yeah. I don't really know what the travel rules are for Spain, to be honest. But no, so, I guess... I guess you can't be certain how long it's going to take for you to start testing negatives, so maybe it was just a sensible thing to do to postpone the trip. Of course, yeah. last week's episode, I was pretty convinced that I must have COVID, but now I'm not sure if I actually did. I've been fine all week. I followed up my possibly possibly positive test last week with a couple of negatives. I've had more than negatives this week. COVID is in the house. But so far, it's localised to one person and everyone else in the house has, has avoided it so far. I, I, like, I feel like I'm just sort of walking around the house like Neo from The Matrix, just just very <laughs> occasionally going, as, you know, a COVID particle flies past my head. That's kind of what it feels like in here, you know. We We fight on. We fight on. I mean, I maintain that just for my anxiety, I wouldn't have minded getting it this past week because, Josh, we are now oh. just a few weeks away from from Florida, which is very exciting. Of course, I would not like to test positive once we get kind of within a week because it does feel like even if you feel broadly fine, COVID, when it comes to test results, can kind of stubbornly hang on for you know, 10 days or so, that seems to be, uh, yeah. for a lot of people, kind of the going rate. So I'm I'm approaching the point now where that could be fatal to the to the holiday. So I am a bit nervous still, but just got to, you know... It's understandable. Got to try and be careful, I guess. Especially now that I know that just, I think, the day after we arrive, Disney are lifting the rules on hugging characters. So... I can feel the warm embrace of Stitch oh, and, and it's Pluto. It's a dream come true. I know, right? It, that would have felt like a, a major missed opportunity if I'd gone all that way and then been told I can't hug my boy Stitch. So knowing that I can just makes the whole thing even more exciting. <laughs> Who'd be your go-to Disney character if you, if you were going, Josh? Uh, on, on the 18th of April, this is the day that the rules on hugging characters lift who are you going to first who are you going to first none of them none of them you're one of these people no. who think you're too cool to hug a disney character absolutely I, outrageous i 
generally think that standing in a queue to meet a character is a waste of time these days, unless you're with kids. Uh, as an adult, right. it is a waste of good ride waiting for time. Well, of course. I mean, it seems to me that you think queuing for rides is approaching uh, waste waste of time territory when it <laughs> when it comes to Disney these days. Well, uh, yeah, well, you know, no comment. He's becoming the he's become the Scrooge of the Park Crush podcast. But I'll, I'll have fun, everyone. I'll, I'll <laughs> smile my way through that trip. Uh, so yeah, like I say, just a couple of weeks now to go. Uh, and just for the record, it's not just Disney World where you can go and hug Mickey or, uh, you know, try and get Cinderella's number. Oi, oi. Uh, you can also do that at Disneyland and on the Disney oh. Cruise Line as well. So all the US course, yeah. Disney parks and experiences are lifting that rule on uh, character interactions from the 18th of April. So that's good news. Right, let's get into it then. There's uh, There was big news this week from our neck of the woods, Josh. We It was so big, in fact, that we did a Twitter space. How did you find that, your first experience of a Twitter space? I uh, I quite liked it, actually. Um, I, I, it, was, it was an enjoyable, uh, short, brief period of time. Yeah, we did a sort of 15-minute recording just under earlier in the week to give our instant reaction to the breaking news that the London Resort had basically withdrawn all of its plans for the theme park. Uh, in North Kent, which, uh, you know, I guess was inevitable, still felt like a somewhat tragic development and, of course, meant that all our old favourite UK tabloid headlines came steaming back into view. UK's answer to Disneyland was was all over the newspapers once again. So, yeah, I mean, to sum it up very quickly before we get into it, this happened the day before that the uh that the developers were basically scheduled to submit their latest plans at a virtual planning meeting and clearly our, our friend Pai Jabot, the chief executive of the London resort had a bit of a panic thought oh damn it damn it i'm not prepared i haven't done the reading i haven't done the homework and he bottled it and he cancelled it he he ghosted the <laughs> the ministers or whoever this meeting it was was supposed to be with and he I, said it's I in would, the best interests of the oh sorry go ahead i would argue that he did do his homework and went oh crap this ain't, <laughs> this ain't happening yeah he said it's in the best interests of the london resort to withdraw the current uh application emphasis on the word current because he he, he once again bless him maintains that he's fully committed to this and and that yeah. he'll be back he'll be back uh with a rejigged rethought application the Arnold Schwarzenegger in, in, of uh, Kent, North Kent theme parks. Seems that way, yes. He's stubbornly hanging on like a positive COVID test that won't go away. Bloody but thing. as we discussed the other day, Josh, on the Twitter space, which I believe as of recording is still available on our Twitter page at Park Rush Podcast. You know, if you want it raw, uh, some people do. Raw and unadulterated. It seems to me... Like the uh, the things that have ultimately led Pai Jabot to this decision are things we have known for basically the entire 10 years that this project has been in the pipeline. 
Yeah. So he's basically come to the conclusion that, well, all these environmental concerns are proving a real spanner in the works and we're going to have to go away and basically come up with something that means those issues aren't quite so significant. Weird, that. And I, and I was sat here thinking, yeah, but we've known about this for for 10 years. And, and as I said the other day, uh, where I have a little bit of sympathy is that Obviously, the environmental concerns have been there this whole time, but what's changed is that they've kind of been formalised in the uh, in the form of an SSSI, making yes. the Swanscombe Peninsula a site of special scientific interest, partly because of these rare spiders that we've heard so much about, but also just you know the biodiversity of the site in general, and uh, and that classification has meant that you know brute forcing this kind of application through is far more difficult and uh, I guess my as I say my point of sympathy for Pi and his team when it comes to this issue is well why could this SSSI not have been in you know put in place years and years ago why is it that it took this long and and for my money the fact that that took so long is just as much uh, the the cause of all the uncertainty that people have been so unhappy about all this time as the theme park project is itself. Because if that SSSI had been put in place in 2014, let's say, we would have had far more clarity a lot more quickly. And um, yeah, and now whatever the end goal is, whether the plans are completely dead, completely killed off next time we hear about it, or if they come back with another application, it still means that we have a period of uncertainty ahead, which yeah. is frustrating for everyone, I think. What what do you think? What do you think happens to solve this problem, Tom? How do they solve a problem like the London Resort? How do you solve a problem like an SSSI? Well, first, I think there's a clinic uh, that you should probably head to, uh, from my understanding, uh, and then you go from there, really. Uh, but you do have to be careful moving forward. With uh, hang on, am I reading the wrong thing here? I just I think I might be talking about the wrong thing. Damn. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> Don't call one one one. No, no, that's something else. Damn it. Sorry. Sorry, everyone. Uh, what do I think is going to happen? How do you solve a problem like the London Resort? Well, I don't know. I want to believe in Pi, Josh. I mean, he's a good man. And uh, he seems very genuinely enthusiastic about all this. And he I want to believe. I want to believe what Pi's laying down. But I'm not sure I can. And it's worth noting that the reaction from local politicians that I have seen has basically ranged from, well, it's, it's, it's dead, you know, not necessarily celebrating the fact that it's dead, but saying, well, this is dead, this is not happening, to not only saying that, but also celebrating the fact. So I, I just don't think there is any real enthusiasm for this that exists beyond Pai Jabot and maybe a few of his mates who just want Pai to be happy. You know, yeah. like there's no one else pushing for this. Uh, uh, when it comes and, to and, external and forces, they are only pressing against it. Yeah, except us. You're right. So I can't see how this goes anywhere from here, to be honest. Uh, and I, I, I get the sense that you probably feel the same. Yeah, I mean, they they reckon they're going to move the in the in their upcoming plans. They'll move the ferry crossing from Tilbury to Grays. And then obviously they'll have to somehow figure out their way around this complex SSSI issue, which uh, I, I can't see them see happening unless they move the park 
or like adjust the park, skew it a little, maybe make it a make it a lesser place. I don't know. It, it seems more likely to become um, a small housing estate than uh, a large theme park resort area, as we've always said. Yes, although I don't really see how that complies with the wishes of the uh, the eco terrorists either. You know, they seemingly just want this left completely as it is now. Look, I don't want to cast aspersions. I, I I don't know if this is the case or not, but the Swanscombe Peninsula, I don't think it's not some sort of beacon of the natural world. And I've got to be careful with how I phrase this, I think, but <laughs> I don't think day-to-day before a project like this came to light, I, I don't think it was the kind of area that people felt super, super strongly about. I mean, for basically what I'm trying to say, I think, is that, okay... Uh, if this SSSI scuppers these plans, if 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 this is all dead and and moving forward, we we just accept that the Swanscombe Peninsula stays as is. I mean, I, is there anything that can be done to, I guess, improve what it currently is? You know, as as a nature reserve, as a as a place where wildlife well, can thing. thrive, but but also perhaps still make it a a, a more enjoyable area for people. You know. Uh, can you can you turn it into a place that would be that could be well, enjoyed it, by the local community a little more? Much of the land is actually a brownfield site, Tom. It's not, you know, they make a big deal about this SSSI stuff, but most of the site is brownfield, so it's former industrial land that was going to get redeveloped. Um, well, yes, that, that's which true. I assume will uh, stay derelict until someone approves housing. As is always the case. Yeah, no, you're right about that. And and just to come back to what I was talking about earlier in terms of all the uncertainty that this has caused. Now, I remember when I was a local reporter around here, I went to a lot of meetings where at that point, the opposition to the London resort, a lot of it wasn't so much the environmental side of things, although that was a concern. It was more about the local businesses who were there and were basically going to be forced out by this. And they yeah. did come to something of an agreement ultimately and and i think that it would have been a really tough decision for a lot of the business owners to basically get out of there and we've seen this happen a few times around here without not wanting to get you know hyper local but i will we saw this in <laughs> and, and this again by the way there's a bit of a running theme because this falls within the the dartford constituency and um and we had a long rigmarole in the center of dartford for a number of years where you had this uh, the, these long plans for a massive supermarket, of course, I'm sure you remember, oh, God, yeah. uh, in the town centre. And again, as a result of that, while that was in the planning stages, all the businesses that were in the spot where the supermarket wanted to go were basically forced out. You know, they would have been compensated in some way, but I'm sure for a lot of them it was a real wrench to move out of that space there were family businesses there that had been there for a really long time but they got out the way and then the project that they got out the way for never ended up happening and guess what's there now houses are going up (laughs) who could have guessed Uh, yeah so you're going to end up in a very similar situation where you've had potentially a lot of local businesses who have got out of there so you've got all this brownfield site now which is unused which had been earmarked for the Thing Park. Well, obviously, the Thing Park was such a big project that they that the brownfield site alone wasn't enough. They also were going to need to take up some of the some of the green site um, 
Well, they were going to have to work around it at the very least. And that has ultimately, you know, thrown the spanner in the works. Although the point you make about Tilbury and, and the dock is, is, has contributed to this. I, I don't think anyone should lose sight of the fact that it is the SSSI, I think, is the key issue here. Yeah, for but, sure. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I in, There's part of me that almost thinks a thing part project like this, I mean, I feel like they would have been so desperate to prove that they meant what they were saying about wanting to make sure the Swanscombe Peninsula maintained the level of biodiversity that it has now. That I, I wanted to kind of believe it when they said that, I guess. Maybe that makes me naive. But I think if you put a housing estate up there, I mean, look how much, I mean, I don't know if I, do, do I trust people who are going to move in to this area? Is is, is is I just feel like whatever you do in this area, it's going to present different problems so far as the environmental side environmental side of things is concerned and i and i guess i hope that they take these issues as much into account for whatever next uh is proposed for this site as they did when it was the theme park uh yeah i think you know if you if it becomes a housing estate then potentially there's that risk of it being ruined by uh potential yobbos that move in there um <laughs> I guess you still you have that you have that risk anyway if there's a theme park there. So what what happens? I don't know. Maybe uh, yeah, it's hard to say. Which is again why I think it will just stay as uh, derelict now for some time. I think so. Yeah. I mean, we'll keep an eye on on what happens next with Pajabo. He, you know, he he says that they're working closely with with Thorock Council uh, when it comes to the the Tilbury issue. Uh, and, and that being classified as a free port, which, as you say, means the terminal needs to move to Grey. So that has changed things. I mean, there were those big plans, weren't there, about when they were talking about potential routes into the London resort. One of the big things they were talking about was, uh, as a way of alleviating pressure on the road network, was was uh, getting the ferry over yep. Yep. from Tilbury. So, you, you know, you can understand. I don't want to downplay that as an issue. I just do think that it's the SSSI and natural england's designation that is causing the bigger issue here but he th- he says they will resubmit their plans before the end of 2022 so you know he's given himself a deadline i suppose i'm sure it'll come around very quickly i mean we're already in april which is yeah i'm sure madness. that deadline won't be pushed to 2023 at all no <laughs> and just to give you know the time scale a potential time scale on that. Let's say he does. Let's say something does come through. You you would then have to get back to this point where the meet this meeting that ended up getting cancelled. This meeting would have to be set up again with the planning inspectorate, which is basically the government adjacent body that reviews big projects such as this. And then yeah. from that point, that then kicks off this sort of six month inquiry, and of course. Long-time listeners might remember that, was it last year or the year before, that there were public consultations and things. So presumably all that will have to happen again. So in some ways we are back to square one. And that's why I think people will will struggle to to place much stock in what Pi is saying about this now, to be, to be, to be frank. Yeah, it does feel that way. One more thing I would like to say about it before I... Uh, I guess invite you to give your final thoughts, Josh, is that 
this is this is this has bugged me a little bit. So there's a quote I'm reading this from Kent Online, which I, for my money has been the the premium kind of source for for London Resort News this whole entire time. And I don't just say yep. that as a, as an alumni of Kent Online. The <laughs> reporting has always been excellent and continues to be. Uh, there's a quote in this article. Uh, which I'll put in the show notes, uh, the, the link, I mean, not, not the full quote, from uh, Laura Eddy, who is a Dartford Green Party councillor. And as, as you can imagine, she's delighted by this news. But this quote kind of grime, ground my gears a little bit. Uh, she pays tribute and thanks to you know campaigners, charities, which, which is fair enough, but also to Jeremy Kite, who is the uh, leader of Dartford Council, and Gareth Johnson, who is a Dartford MP, for supporting this campaign and standing up for the local residents, businesses and wildlife. Uh, along here and protecting it for generations to come. Now, I, I can say with, with confidence and first-hand knowledge, because I spoke to them both about this during my time as a local <laughs> reporter, they were both very vocally in favour and quite excited by the prospect of the London resort uh, when it was being muted originally, but then also as recently as, you know, when I worked there, which would have been, I mean, 2017. And I do just think that, once again, this is an example, and obviously a far more low-level example, compared to kind of, you know, the, the actually important uh, political issues of the day. But just another example for my money of how we're in this kind of era of populist politics where they kind of wait to see which way the wind's blowing and then run to the front of the crowd uh, as if they are the ones that the people are following. You know what I mean? Uh, I, don't uh, know. I don't know what you mean, Tom. <laughs> Politicians wouldn't do such a thing. That's exactly how it feels. Uh, I'm sure, you know, I remember, and I've told this story many times when I first started at the local paper, uh, one of the first things I did, and I, you know, he was always very good to me, by the way, but uh, Councillor Kite did take me on this kind of tour of what he felt was some of the key uh, sites for me to, to keep my eye on when it came to kind of the future of Dartford and how it might develop over the coming years, and, and, and I... I've, I've often referred back to the moment that he took me to basically look over the site that would one day become the London Resort, and and it was very much kind of like that Lion King scene where Mufasa <laughs> shows the Pride Lands to Simba, and uh, yeah, he was very excited, and and I'm sure you remember Josh that uh, me telling you how he'd he'd referred to Dartford as potentially becoming some sort of Kiss Me of Kent, yeah, and. And uh, and now, of course, we find out apparently that he's you know been a vocal opponent of this project, and and you know would never have wanted it, Josh. Yeah, what he meant uh, by that was uh, the 2010 Kissimmee, where all of the shops were shut down and no one had jobs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and and Gareth Johnson. Uh, he, he says that, uh, yeah, the project's dead as far as he's concerned. This is the end of the project. After 10 years, London Resort Company Holdings are still unable to submit an application for a theme park and they need to end the uncertainty for local businesses and residents by walking away completely, uh, which I think is perfectly fair enough. I I, I agree, um, but I, I think that, that that is an argument that could have been made a, lo- a long time ago. Uh, to be honest, and um, I, I don't think it's just the fault of the London Resort that this has dragged on for this amount of time. I think that, that clearly there, you know, things that have ultimately led to its demise could have been put in place or uh, and formalised long before now, and I think yeah, it would have I, been to the benefit of everyone involved. If it didn't have uh, 
political support, local political support, then it wouldn't have been going on this long. I don't think, you know, we, we talk about them flip-flopping whichever way is best for them. And at, for a very long time, the best way for them was with the theme park because it would have produced a lot of jobs for them. Um, and so they were definitely on that side for a very long time. Uh, it's only right now when they've suddenly switched now that it's not going to happen. Um, and I think if they weren't advocating for it to happen, then the park would have been uh, moot uh, a long time ago. Yeah, uh, you know, Gareth Johnson does talk a little bit here about you know, something I was referring to earlier about, okay, so now what then? Or do we just leave kind of the site as is or, or do we look to maximise its ecological credentials? And he does say, I think that we can turn this into a local asset, not just for people today, but for future generations as well. We can ensure that it is opened up so that local people can enjoy it for walks, for wildlife or even just for local school children to learn and understand about the importance of local wildlife. I think that would be uh, welcomed, but we'll have to see. Uh, I, I, the closest thing I can find to uh, to kind of support for Pai Jabot here is from John Burden, who's the leader of Gravesham Council, which, which neighbours Dartford. Oh. Uh, he's a, he, it's a Labour Council there. Uh, and he actually is uh, he he welcomes the the fact that Pajabo plans to come back with uh, <laughs> with another go. Um, so we'll see what comes of that. But yeah, like go I say, on, other than that, it seems like it seems like everyone is just kind of quite pleased about this. Now, well, I'm going to let you do this, Josh, because you are you quite enjoy delving into the comments section of Kent Online. You've you've enjoyed doing oh, that in yeah. the past when we've covered london resort developments how's it looking in there how's it looking <laughs> gonna go in there with a big machete and a torch like rambo or indiana jones <laughs> cutting through the crap try yeah see what's uh, going on some some interesting ones well so these are sort of more recent ones that came later in the later in the week um someone said make it a nature reserve uh absolutely it's is supposed to be a garden city, but in rea- reality, all of the gardens are small or non-existent, and much of the green spaces are children's playgrounds. Someone said, build it at Manston Airport and bring some desperate employment to the Thanet area. The theme park, he means? Uh, yeah, I don't think he meant the nature reserve. The London Resort. I think Thanet's too far away. I don't think Thanet could get away with a, with calling it the London Resort, to be honest. I mean, it, you know, it's a stretch for, for Dartford to have been doing that, but Thanet, all that oh, way further yeah. east, I'm not sure. You do realise that uh, London Stansted and London Luton is the names of those two parks. Yeah, yeah. Airports, you mean. But yeah, that is right. Yeah, so yeah. That is right. Airport. But anyway, yeah, it's true. what else is going uh, on in the comments? Anything intre- Anything that's caught your eye? Any controversial views or surprising views? Someone has, someone has put, make no mistake, make, sorry, make no mistake, we are still 100% committed to this amazing consultancy gravy train. <laughs> <laughs> who's paying Pajabot here? I mean, who's still funding this? I mean, there was some Middle Eastern investment in this, I, I believe. Uh, I believe it is mainly Middle Eastern. Uh, there's also Mid- there's Middle Eastern money in the local football club, Ebbsfleet. And, uh, yeah, it's believe... almost like British uh, companies and land is a very good investment for foreign uh, governments. <laughs> Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Would have you know, it seems like yeah. a good idea until they invade a peaceful neighbour. So let's just hope that... <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know. Uh, but then Formula One still happened when a missile strike happened only seven miles down the road. So, Well, 
There we are. Yeah. So the London um, Resort then. Uh, London Resort. Yeah. Someone's asked for Kent Messengers to do a follow up on the report where uh, the seventy million pound ended up. Uh, surely someone got rich from that scam. Is that the amount of money that has allegedly been invested in it to this point? So far, yeah. It's not my money. I don't care. No, I mean the headline None figure wasn't it was was two point five billion. That was kind of the the headline sort of. This is how much this whole thing stands to cost. So much money yeah. they want to put into this. So you know, seventy million. It's a fraction of that. And as far as I'm aware, no, uh, like local council or government funding was used up until this point. No. No, and but you know it's just another again, and it's you know all relative, isn't it? It's a small scale example of this, but you know we are we have not been a particularly high growth economy for a long time, and you know I think this is a kind of this is kind of an indictment of that in some way. Like you've had this, you know, potentially, and no matter what you think about it, this is a project that would have driven a lot, which would have driven the local economy to kind of potentially new heights. And it's just been this sort of long, will it, won't it, what's going on, no one can make a decision. And you've ended up with with nothing. You've ended up with nothing out of it whatsoever. And you've ended up with the worst of all worlds because now you've got, as we've said, you've got businesses that were there that aren't there anymore and this massive project that wanted to be there that is now not going to be. So you've got nothing. You've got some spiders. Other than that, what you got? That's it. Yeah. What you got? So someone said next will be the Lower Thames crossing. Must have environmental issues on this land and surrounding area. Isn't that still under review? I think that's still under review, but I can't imagine that gets stopped. I'd imagine that has got to happen. Like it it has to happen. Full stop. But it's taking a um, long time. (laughs) Sort of. those sorts they, of they, large-scale projects do take a long time. I mean, te- if you look at Crossrail, that was started in, like, the 60s or something. Yeah, I, I do have a bad feeling. I mean, they quote-unquote approved that, you know, rubber-stamped it at government level about five years ago. And that came at the long at the end of a very long will-they-won't-they they debate over over that project. And, and the fact they haven't really gone very far with it since then is... Uh, I mean, obviously, government's been absolute chaos since then. That was sort of... How many governments ago was that? <laughs> Five years. I mean, it was the same party, of course. I mean... Very different it's administration. Pe- it's the same people, just in different roles, basically, right? Yeah, they're like the Slitheen from Doctor Who. They're all the same people, just in zip-up suits. Yeah. Sort of uh, taking turns to They, they the reckon country. it'll be done by the end of the uh, decade, so, I mean, it's, it's not it's not particularly. He's going to say this. And it's, it's not a particularly complex uh, task building. Oh, here we time. go. Man's played bridge constructor a couple of times. <laughs> Suddenly, everything's straightforward. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, in comparison to like the Crossrail project, where they have to avoid centuries of tunneling and uh, that sort of stuff. What if they build the tunnel, Josh? And and a fish is in the path of the tunnel as they build it, and the fish gets trapped in the tunnel, never sees his family again. The tunnel doesn't go in the water. If you want to look at a project where there will be a tunnel that goes in the water, look at the uh, very long, I think it's Norwegian tunnel system that they're looking to build, where they're going to have tunnels that just float in the water, which sounds mad. That does sound mad. Very hmm. impressive project to uh, span the, f- the fjords to take most of the traffic off of the uh, single lane road onto a dual carriageway. And uh, 
the t- the tunnel and bridge system that they're looking to do there is incredible. If they yeah, manage to pull it off, that does sound cool. We have to look at that after this. Mm. Nice. All right. Well, that, that's been quite a lot of London resort chat, local infrastructure chat, local government chat. Um, I hope it wasn't too much for everyone. Uh, imagine when we start talking about you know, supermarkets that never opened in our town centre. Maybe we've got a bit too local, but there we are. When you're not an expert on much, you've got to take the opportunity when it comes to talk about the thing that you're an expert about. Kind of. So let's move on to things that we're not quite so expert about, like other thing parks. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. No. Well, yeah, I, I speak for myself. You're, you're an expert, Josh. It's fine. <laughs> uh, right. So a couple of weeks ago, did a big episode on the, the Don't Say Gay Bill in Florida, uh, which, of course, has now been signed into law by Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, uh, who seems like a lovely, lovely man. He's a GTA bad guy. He is, isn't he? Yes. He looks and sounds and is named like a GTA bad guy. You've nailed it there. Uh, I mean, of course, Vice City was in Florida, wasn't it? So Yeah, yeah. Anyway, moving on. Uh, So this is kind of, I mean, the the bill has obviously been signed into law now. and, And as we talked about last week, we've ended up in a situation where because of Disney's kind of back and forth stance, maybe that's a little unfair, but sort of. It felt like Disney didn't have a stance on it, which was enough so far as kind of Ron DeSantis was concerned. Just stay quiet. Let's get on with this. And uh, and then sort of public pressure forced Disney into having a stance, which was to be yep. against this bill. Now, obviously, cynics would say, well, yeah, I mean, it's easy to say that now that it's all but done. Uh, but it didn't stop you from, you know, donating to uh, people who back this bill, sponsoring people who back this bill you know if you'd if you'd i mean disney is such a powerful company obviously worldwide but especially in florida that if they had taken the stance that they've taken now months ago when people were really calling for it this bill might not have never reached this stage but anyway that's water under the bridge now we are where we are and we're in the position where disney are now very publicly opposed to a major piece of legislation in florida which has now been signed into law and as we have talked about in the worst case scenario, it could be seen as something that all but bans and eliminates any sort of discussion or recognition of LGBT issues in the classroom in Florida for kids under a certain age and um, gives parents who, uh, who, dare I say, might be somewhat bigoted the opportunity to even take legal action against schools and teachers who they feel were corrupting their kids with terrible thoughts about how boys might like boys and girls might like girls. Or, Sounds like a I song. Mean, God forbid, Josh. Yeah, God right. forbid. Uh, and now, Governor DeSantis throwing his weight around a little bit, Josh, and he has threatened... It's a little unclear, so it seems like there are maybe some sort of more... Well, I was about to say sort of fringe members of the Republican Party, but I, I feel like the, the issue with the Republican Party and... And the Tory party over here is that the fringe has kind of become the mainstream. <laughs> so yeah. you have people that have suggested this kind of what I would say is almost the nuclear option and start to revoke the special privileges that Disney kind of enjoy in Florida. And uh, and DeSantis this past week, and I'm reading this from Vanity Fair, who have done a good article about this, has kind of appeared to endorse this idea. 
Uh, Josh, you're a little more on top of what this actually means, what Disney's special privileges are exactly. So, you know, what is DeSantis threatening exactly here? Yeah, so it's uh, not just DeSantis, but a couple of others in there, like um, I think his name's Spencer Roach, who's another local um, member there. Basically, one of the things they're looking to potentially get rid of is the 1967 Reedy Creek Improvement Act. Um, for those that don't know, the Reedy Creek Improvement District is basically primarily Walt Disney World. Uh, and it means that with this act, that district uh, manages and funds itself. So it doesn't have to rely on uh, local county uh, investments you know, from Orange County and uh, Osceola County, where obviously the residents would... That would come from local taxpayers' money, and that isn't necessarily going to be as helpful as uh, you know Disney managing and maintaining that themselves, where they can get their own good discounts because they're a private company and they can do backhanders. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's basically what they want to get rid of. That is uh, what some of these people are saying. Um, so so I guess it's a reaction. This is a reaction to the reaction to the reaction to the bill, right? So you've got the bill, <laughs> then you've got the. Uh, LGBTQ plus uh, community and uh, normal people uh, saying that that bill was bad. And then you've got Disney's reaction to that reaction where they pulled out of funding to people like DeSantis, obviously. Uh, and then now you've got DeSantis et al. fighting back to say, oh, give us our money back or we'll pull your funding, your your way of funding your own stuff. Tit for tat bit of a power trip move is what it feels like from uh from DeSantis in a way yeah you know, it's all well and good making this kind of threat but one would imagine that you know this is potentially a legal minefield I mean Disney would obviously fight vociferously against any such attempt to revoke this bill I mean one thing I will say is that it does seem absolutely mental and completely sums up America and why people were so aggrieved and frustrated by this kind of late-stage capitalist nightmare that a lot of them feel like we are living right now and, and, and it's only going to get worse. It, it seems mad to me <laughs> that you would basically sign away a whole chunk of a state to be entirely regulated and run by a private company. Um <laughs> Like Disney, I mean, it just sums up America, I guess. I mean, it's all well and good when you're there, and you know, we've I've joked and and, and without having this amount of knowledge about it, almost approved and kind of thought, oh, you know, when you're within the purple lampposts, that's the place to be when you're in Florida. You know, you're safe there. Uh, But in some ways, it's maybe I should be thinking about it a lot more critically from now on. and, And there's actually something somewhat sinister about this entire chunk of an actual state that has been <laughs> basically signed well, away from the control yeah. of government and handed over to a company that can do exactly what they like with it. Of course, one could argue as well that would you rather live in a state run by Disney or live in a state run by Ron DeSantis? I mean, I think that's a question that... Uh, uh, it's, a depressing, it's a depressing question. To, no, exactly. It's a depressing question to have to ask, but I'm not yeah, sure. I mean, the fact that there's not an obvious answer is also very depressing. Yeah, uh, I think you could you could certainly argue that you know with Disney owning pretty much all of that land anyway, that it makes sense for them to have legal rights to manage that how they see fit, as long as they uh, stick to the laws and regulations of the land. 
which for the most mm. part they do do. Um, it does mean that they can do things like uh, they don't have to build their roads to the same standard highways and freeways and that sort of thing have to be built to a certain standard so they can uh, support heavy goods vehicles and that sort of thing whereas Disney doesn't necessarily have to do that because they can manage that themselves so they can keep the main roads as being for heavy goods vehicles so they can bring new uh, ride parts in but then the minor roads can be lesser built they still have to do things like if they build on land uh, they have to uh, have X amount of land spare that is undeveloped for uh, ecological reasons. So they have to keep talking oh, about I that see. still. I was going to suggest that they wouldn't have, if they ever wanted to get around to building a fifth thing part, they wouldn't have to worry about the eco-terrorists and their SSSIs. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's one of them things where like it's their land, so they can basically do what they like, but they still have to buy additional land to cover that land that they've just developed on. Uh, they do it quite regularly. Uh, they did it. Uh, I can't remember what was the last thing they did it for, but yeah, re- quite recently they did it for something. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I mean, and now that the bill has been passed into law, I, I mean, I, I don't want to demean it in any way because this stands to be, you know, something that could. I mean, this could be awful for for kids and families in Florida moving forward. Uh, as someone who isn't going to be living that day to day the way i'm going to often find myself consuming this you know the knock-on effect is going to be that it feeds into these never-ending culture wars this has become a, a national talking point and you've got absolute nutcases out there in the republican party and on sort of right-wing media uh using it as a as a talking point to further their own warped agendas so it's uh, it's been an absolute disaster. This whole process, you know, it's it's kind of the way it's all gone down. It's kind of the worst, the worst of both worlds, to be honest. Yeah, you know, I don't know how long. I think DeSantis has only recently got into power, right? That's this is like the "Don't Say Gay" bill was one of his first uh, forays into uh, policy making. Um, so I would imagine, you know, Disney will take the. They've said that they're going to look at the, how they fund their political stances. I would imagine they'll take four years. And if DeSantis does go through with trying to annoy Disney, Disney will uh, fund whoever would stop annoying Disney. Um, yeah. Taking four years out to have a look at how you're funding politicians is, is for me, I think, mainly here. So, uh, you know, talk for the sake of talk, uh, and they'll go back to doing what they do best uh, when it suits them yeah absolutely Uh, i mean there has been a lot of talk that he might run to be the republican nominee for the presidency in 2024 yeah i think ultimately if trump decides to do it it will be trump but yeah that makes sense i mean that sums kind of sums up you know his his political aspirations he clearly feels like these kinds of cultural issues are a uh work in his favor in the end so he is a political version of Trump in a sense of this, though, right? It feels like he's styling himself on Trump, I think, to an extent. Of yeah. course, you know the, the slightly odd situation you'll end up in if Trump runs and DeSantis runs is that they'll end up taking pot shots at one another. But of course, you know everyone is completely shameless. Everyone who ended who took pot shots at Trump when he ran the first time for the Republican nomination um, quickly fell into line when they realised that he might be someone 
who gets them into power. Anyway, uh, that's enough politics. Uh, let's end with a couple of you know mundane thing park, actual thing park headlines. Uh, back in our comfort zone, if you like. Hyperspace Mountain returning to Disneyland oh for uh, an unspecified amount of time. So they'll be re-theming Space Mountain at Disneyland, the California OG, uh, back into Star Wars mode uh, on the 29th of April. Uh, so that will, of course, be in time for Star Wars Day and then Star Wars Celebration at the back end of May. Uh, of course, this is the only version of uh, the Paris Space Mountain that I have ever been able to experience, and that was good fun. So... Um, Mm, I'm sure, sure the Hyperspace Mountain version in California, which, of course, they have done before, uh, will be warmly received by folks. I think the key thing for something like this is uh, kind of how long you leave it, you know, like what's the kind of optimum, optimum amount of time to have this kind of limited edition, if you like, uh, incarnation of a ride before it kind of loses its magic. You know, what's the sweet spot to then turn it back into the uh, to the usual space mountain fair who knows yeah disney disneyland gets these kind of overlays a lot more often than uh obviously disney world does uh there are reports that obviously because they're doing that guns of the galaxy christmas special so there, there's talks that uh mission breakout is going to get a christmas makeover as well and they that they filmed at the same time as doing the christmas special oh that's so that cool interesting and then in a, in a kind of weird merge of, and it's, it's kind of adjacent to some of the stuff we were talking about earlier with Disney and, and then before that London Resort, uh, Universal Orlando have revealed some details of this kind of, you know, again, it's a, it's a slightly bizarre in some ways uh, a fact of how these projects work is that, you know, Universal are committed to a housing project kind of as part of their, uh, of them having got approval for Epic Universe. Yeah. Uh, they're donating uh, about 20 acres of property near iDrive uh, to be used for what they say will be affordable housing. And we talked about this back at the time when it was announced, which I think was in 2020, scarily enough. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they're aiming for around a 1,000 homes, uh, and they've announced that it's going to be called Catchlight Crossings. So there you that's, go. That's not a bad name. I think, you know, from the artwork, the concept imagery that they've uh, shown off, I think it looks quite smart. Yeah. I mean, affordable, certainly in this country, you you put the biggest air quotes you can possibly muster around that term. I mean, affordable yes. housing means very little to uh, to anyone sensible. I don't well, quite know if Affordable it's... housing is actually a uh, term for... Uh, what used to be called council housing, right? They've they've rebranded council housing as affordable housing. So, what we see, Tom, as people that can't get into council housing uh, or affordable housing, is not actual affordable housing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't know if it's quite the same over in the US. Uh, I would imagine it is. Uh, I think the cost of living out there is uh, certainly in some states is, is just as extreme, if not more so. So, that's going to do it. A uh, weird hodgepodge. I, I don't know. I'm not coming out of this feeling particularly good, Josh. There's, uh, <laughs> well, Tom, I'll not give a ton you, of reasons some, to be positive. There's some, bad thing potential news, positive highlights. Bad Tom. politics news. You've got COVID. Some potential positives, Tom. Uh, obviously, you're going to Disney World. I don't know if you saw this. This is, you know, this was before the last podcast, really. But uh, Cal Kestis, his lightsaber is coming to Doc Ondar's Den of Antiquities. 
Oh, okay. I mean, that doesn't mean a lot to me because, of course, my Calcestis might have had a very different lightsaber to your Calcestis and might have had a very different lightsaber to to, to someone else's Calcestis. The the quote-unquote legacy lightsaber. So it's the one with, like, the broken... The default. uh, Yeah. So it's the broken base and then, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, For people that don't know, Calcestis, the star of Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order video game. yes a very yeah. good video game and uh i've kind of been meaning to replay it you know with this new knowledge that i have uh, mustered over the last two years from from clone wars and rebels and and, and all it, those animated shows you know i feel like it, i, I it could see me... jedi fallen order in a new light with that knowledge can you get a BD droid from the droid shop in... Ooh, I don't know. I don't know. what. Well, I would love a little BD droid that I could kind of put on my rucksack strap, you know? And sell. Yeah. That would, it, I would go in for one of those, 100%. When it, when it rocked up again on uh, Mandalorian, I was like, oh, BD droid, do with one of them. I don't know if that is if that is available. I don't think it is. But... Yeah. All right, well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Park Rush Podcast. Thanks very much for listening. If you enjoyed the show and haven't already, please do subscribe on your preferred podcasting app of choice and leave us a review, a rating as well. Those are appreciated. You can also follow us on Twitter at Park Rush Podcast and email podcast at parkrush.com with your thoughts, opinions, whatever else you'd like to get in touch with the show about. And we will be back next week with more Josh, I hope you're COVID-free by then. Uh, we'll see how you get on. I'm sure you'll be fine. Yeah, we can only hope. You know, if not, I guess there might be someone else on the show next week. And we'll just move on as if nothing had happened. <laughs> see you later, everyone. Take care. Goodbye. See ya. Bye.